Welcome back to another edition of the Public Diplomat Dialogues. I'm Guy Golan, and this is episode number 72 of our podcast. Today, we have an especially exciting podcast. We're going to talk about place branding with the one and only Robert Govers. Robert, welcome to the studio. Thank you very much, Guy, and a great pleasure to be here. It's an honor. Okay, you are a man of many hats. I'm going to try to introduce some of them. You are a... Um, well, a well-known uh, expert in the field of uh, place branding. You are the co-editor of uh, the journal Place Branding and Public Diplomacy, the chairman of the International Place Branding Association, the managing partner of www.good.country.com, and you are the author, co-author of Place Branding. So... Um, I can't think of anybody better to speak to about what place branding actually is. So let's start with that question. Uh, people throw the term around, uh, place branding, nation branding, city branding. What are we really speaking about? <laughs> Good question. Yes, and you're absolutely right. People are throwing it around. And, uh, and still, even today, there's a lot of confusion, which is actually one of the reasons why uh, we set up the International Place Branding Association. Maybe more about that later on. Um, but when uh, I uh, talk about uh, place branding and the way I understand it, it's really, you know, those processes um, that you need to understand, measure, influence and manage the way in which cities are admired or recognized by international audiences, but also domestic and internal audiences. So, you know, going back to the concept of brand, um, and brand, in very simple terms, to me, really means your good name, um, literally speaking. So it's a, it's the name or uh, something that makes you uh, or a concept or an entity uh, identifiable. And then uh, what that name uh, or identifiable object means to people. Um, so, you know, um, there's a lot of confusion about that. Because, of course, in the commercial world, when we talk about brand, many people often think about logos and slogans and advertising. And it's those are the instruments through which commercial organizations use the concept of brand to create recognition for their organization or for their products and services. Um, but in when you apply that concept to places, it's, it's much, much more complex. And um, people forget about the fact that one of the most important identifiers is, of course, the name. Um, and places already have names. So I'm, I'm always very confu uh, uh, confused and intrigued by the fact that whenever we talk about city branding or place branding or nation branding, many people still think it, uh, it's about creating a, a logo, slogan, an advertising campaign for a place. Um, and... You know, many people have commented on that, that these things don't actually work. Well, that's, that's a great question. I mean, uh, I think a lot of our listeners are familiar with the um, I Love New York or I Heart New York campaign. It's probably one of the more famous uh, city branding uh, campaigns out there. And again, you know, we raise the question, can cities or countries be branded like a Starbucks coffee or ivory soap? Hmm. Well, it's a good question, and um, the, 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 these examples are actually very problematic. And uh, you say "I Heart New York," and the other one, of course, that everybody refers to is "I Amsterdam." So, you know, those are actually design uh, gimmicks uh, that have become world recognized, 
and that people wear on T-shirts and that people also residents use proudly. Um, but the, con the confusion comes in where um, we think uh, and people think, and particularly policymakers think, think that these um, design gimmicks, that those are the things that have made these, these places famous. And of course, they're not. You know, New York was already famous before the I Heart New York campaign, and I Amsterdam was already famous and world recognized before the I Amsterdam campaign. So the mechanism that makes these initiatives successful is not that the design element, let's say call it the, slow, the, the logo, it's not that the logo makes this place is famous, it's the, the fame of the place that made the logo famous. So people start wearing these logos with pride because... Um, they want to be associated with those places. Um, and of course, the challenge for most, for most normal places, right? those are places that are world famous and happy for a long time. And we will talk about how you measure this and, and some of the indexes that are around later on. Um, and you will see that those places are on the top of those indexes. Um, but for most other places, their challenge is to be, to get that recognition and to create that fame. And uh, they look at these cases and think, oh, so, you know, I, I need a logo because that's going to make me famous. And obviously um, it, it doesn't. Oh, yeah. um, and uh, I'll give you a theoretical view of, you know, um, why I think it, it's not so relevant for places as it is for for uh, commercial products and why there's so much confusion. Um, in the commercial world, um, organizations, companies have control over the communications channels. So the what they call the touch points of a product or a service or the corporation are, are relatively limited. Um, and this is completely different when we talk about nations or cities or regions. They have many, many, many touch points. And, um, you know, p people and publics, consumers, they talk about places actively. It's not surprising if you look at the history of the Internet that, for instance, travel, travel and tourism, has been for a long time and still is the number one um, uh, sector industry uh, dominating uh, the internet. Um, and the reason is because people actively search information and talk about other places. And you, you know, everybody knows this from experience. If you go to a birthday party, what, what do you talk about? You talk about the last places that you visited, the good restaurants, restaurants that you, uh, that you found, um, uh, you know, so it's people talk about this very actively in social media as well as mainstream media. Mainstream media reports about places all the time. And all of this is not true when we talk about commercial products. Uh, people very, you know, they don't really talk about the last vacuum cleaner that they bought, um, at birthday parties. And, um, there's not a, you know, there's, you, you can go to the financial pages in newspapers and you will see news about corporations and products and services. But, Generally speaking, uh, mainstream news media, media doesn't talk very much about commercial products. So in the commercial world, you have control over the communications channels, and therefore um, the design elements and the logos and the slogans and the campaigns are relatively important for commercial brands, um, but they become relatively insignificant when we talk about places. So there's other things that you need to do in order to create that Brand recognition. And exactly. So, uh, so you're saying let's move away from focusing on tactics and look at the essence of what um, place branding is really all about. It sounds to me almost as if uh, place branding has a lot of elements of reputation management. Would you agree with that? 
Absolutely, yeah. Sometimes I just say place branding is reputation management for places. Absolutely. So this is another one of those sources of confusion for many in the, um, in the scholarly field, you know, where we take literature from marketing, from public relations, from public diplomacy, and jam it all together using many different terms. Yeah. All right. So if, if Ivory Soap or Kleenex or Xerox are all examples of brands that are controlled, uh, can you speak about what are some of the top uh, city brands or nation brands in the world? Yep. Um, so what I was referring to earlier are some of the, the measurements. Um, and I usually, when people ask me this question, what are the top nation brands or the top city brands in the world, I usually use the... Um, Anhold GFK Nation Brands Index and the City Brand Index. Uh, I think uh, those are one, some of the most reliable measurements of uh, the images of places, in this case cities and nations. Um, why? Because they're large-scale consumer surveys, so it's, it's very clear what they measure, which is through large sampling, so I think they have about 20,000 respondents, um, measuring the admiration that publics around the world um, I think they're measuring a, in over 20 countries what um, what uh, consumers think of uh, other countries and cities. Mm-hmm. And in the Nation Brand Index, you've got the United States, Germany, and the United Kingdom as the top three. And when we look at the City Brands Index, you then have Paris, London, and New York City uh, on the, in the top three. And we, we talked about Amsterdam. Amsterdam is number eight. Um, I'm referring here to the 2015 City Brands Index. And the 2015 Nation Brands Index, um, and the, these are these rankings are highly, highely stable. Um, they don't tend to, so these positions don't tend to jump around, which means that audiences uh, internationally don't tend to change their minds very frequently and dramatically about other countries or cities. Um, and the, the major, the major uh, difference that we saw between 2014 and 2015 was um, even before that, actually. So until 2013, the United the U.S. had been on top for many, many years since the Obama administration. Uh, but in 2014, uh, Germany suddenly uh, jumped to the number one position, jumped over the United States. So they swapped uh, places between number one and two. But um, in 2015, this was reversed. So again, the U.S. on top and Germany number two. So, so let me ask you a question, Robert. So, um, you know, if you're Paris, if you're Amsterdam, if you're London or Barcelona, life is good and life is easy. But what if yeah. you're, a, you know, a nation or a city that is not in the top of the ranking? Can we use uh, principles from marketing, from public relations to change a city's brand or a nation's brand? Mm. It's a, a, a good question, and, and let me let me go back to what you just said. You said, you said uh, if you're on top of those rankings, your life is mm-hmm. easy. <laughs> let me refute that uh, because I think it's that that's not actually true. And it, it's an interesting discussion, and that's why I want to touch on it because um, for them, arguably, they don't need to do branding in the sense that they really don't need to create any more name awareness and 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 reputation uh, because they're out mm-hmm. there. Um, and actually, if you talk to, um, you know, you, in London, you've got London and Partners, in Amsterdam, you've got Amsterdam and Partners. Those are the organizations responsible, responsible for the city marketing and reputation management. And, um, and they will tell you that, you know, our challenge is not, is not the brand. Um, our challenge is 
um, to actually serve all those people that admire a place, our city so much and that want to come. So, you know, New York City has got a lot, a lot, a lot of hotel bedrooms to fill up every day. Um, and uh, so, the, you know, we're just talking about different scales. And I'm touching on it because it clearly uh, makes the distinction between marketing and branding. So where, where branding is about um, place branding, I'm talking mm -hmm. about, of course, where place branding is about managing reputation, um, marketing is about the fact that you still need to uh, sell a tourism product to tourists, an investment product to potential foreign investors, uh, an international study pro uh, product for international students, etc., um, uh, etc. Et um, so the challenge for those places is there. You know how to how to balance um, the strong attraction uh, that you have because of your wide recognition and admiration. And um, to find the balanced way in serving all those customers, and and you know to continue serving them and to continue filling up filling up capacity, um, without um, you know uh, overutilizing your capacity, and this is particularly a problem, for instance, in Amsterdam, um, where arguably there are, there are many people who say there are too many uh, tourists and that there's too many foreign publics and too many international students. Um, but if you're if you're below that top ten, yes, you're absolutely right. Then uh, then the challenge becomes both marketing as well as branding, and maybe first and foremost branding because you need to have the name recognition and the admiration first, be, uh, making which will then make it easier to actually sell those various products. So you you, you so, almost discuss a, a step by step process. You actually developed a five step model, right, for place branding? Yeah. Well, so. Um, so I'd, I'd like to make this clear distinction between between uh, uh, branding and marketing for places. And when we talk about branding for places, um, yes, it's a five-step model. Basically, the, the the core of it is a, is a three-step process, which is you know it's not rocket science. It's uh, basically a standard strategy development uh, process where you need to do your analysis first, then you design your strategy, implement it. It's it. The whole thing uh, together is five step when we when we look at it as a as a project, which usually is the case. It it shouldn't be a project because it should be. You know, we usually um, advise governments to to create a specific organization responsible for you know city branding or nation branding, and uh, therefore it, it it should become a continuous process and not a project. But usually it is a project that we get asked to do. And then we've got five steps, starting with defining what the project is and getting everybody on board, which is very often uh, one of the biggest challenges to get everybody to appreciate what you know what what city branding or nation branding really is about and what the objectives of the projects are, and then to do the analysis, the strategy design, the implementation, and then phase five will be the monitoring. Um, and in the uh, let me just talk about the very, some of these things that are in the middle, the analysis. Is very specific, and the measurement and the monitoring is very specifically aimed at three elements, which are um, which are particularly brand related. Which is to measure perceived image and name awareness, to measure projected image, which is really you know, the way that people talk about um, your city or your country. So we, this is media and social media analysis. And uh, first and foremost, the most important one is is identity. So to look at you know sense of place, sense of belonging of of people, um, the uniqueness of place, the um, 
you know, the, 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 the um, historical achievements of places um, and how that feeds into the brand strategy. Brand strategy is about, of course, defining the values and, um, you know, the unique story that you want to, to um, share with the world. And then the implementation is in uh, what we call construction, um, communication, and collaboration. Those are the main elements of implementation. Construction meaning that you've got to do uh, as, uh, continuously, you have to do amazing projects. You have to show um, the, the world um, through the things that you do, um, the, the reputation that you think you deserve. Um, and then, of course, that's linked to uh, communications, not advertising, but, um, you know, public relations, press relations, social media. And uh, collaboration, of course, is very important because it's all about stakeholder engagement. And this is, again, a major difference between places and the commercial world where you have so many different sectors and, uh, you know, uh, uh, private sector organizations, public sector organizations, and well as, as well as civil society. So many, many, many potentially uh, interesting um uh, stakeholders that that should be involved in, uh, in such a process. So, Robert, uh, let me point to uh, your your time with complexities of uh, place branding, and let me throw two more challenges your way. One is you're talking about long term projects, but in many in mm. many countries or many cities, you have changing leadership on a regular basis. To every two years, every four years, a new yeah. mayor or a new um, governor or a new president or Prime Minister comes in and changes the direction of the strategy. That's one challenge. The other challenge is, as you said, that countries have a lot of touch points, and one of which is the global press, global media, that actively cover uh, countries and places, and oftentimes in negative ways. Uh, just think about Mexico and their tourism and how it was affected by coverage of the drug wars, or think about uh, Europe now with uh, terrorism. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the first one, you're absolutely right. This is one of the, the, the main inhibitors of, of successful, um, place branding, which is, a, a changing, rotating government. Um, and this is why, uh, if you would ask me, you know, what are, wh which are the places that have successfully or that have a successful, uh, nation branding or city branding program? There are very few, and there have been some interesting examples in the past, but, you know, they were killed um, by new mayors or new governors or new prime ministers. Can, can you give, can you give um, examples? But it's, it's interesting. Well, Wales is an example that I'm quite familiar mm -hmm. with. Uh, so they used to have a quite, quite a, a good um, uh, country uh, or region branding. Right? Of course, not a nation mm -hmm. state, so I don't know how you would refer to it. But the Welsh um, program was quite interesting and revolved around um, original thinking and challenges spirit. So they had, they had um, clearly defined, um, you know, what, what makes them different and, um, and what makes the Welsh, the Welsh, you know, what are some of the characteristics of the Welsh? And they had a whole program of projects and um, initiatives that um, reinforced that, that, that positioning. Um, but that, that was scrapped um, completely, um, and the people involved um, have moved into the private sector mm -hmm. and elsewhere, um, unfortunately. Um, but it's interesting because if you have, what, what, what you see actually happening, if you have, and, and, 
I was I was made uh, aware of this not so long ago by somebody in um, in the city of The Hague, uh, which is coincidentally my hometown, um, where I was born and raised. Um, and I think they've got a, quite a good city branding program. And somebody from the city made me aware of the fact that if you if you've got a good program that resonates with residents and stakeholders, um, that is probably a me- the, the, the uh, the the extent to which new politicians are able to scrap that or not is probably one of the best measurements of success. And let me let me explain this to you. So I don't know if you're aware of uh, you, know, you probably are as a as a public diplomat. Um, and and many people. Have, this is one of the reasons why they're successful because many uh, people in the world are aware of The Hague as the city of peace and justice, right? Because they've got of course the war crimes tribunal and and um, the criminal courts and the peace palace. Um, so, you know, a, a city of a relatively small size gets quite a bit of name recognition and awareness internationally. And about 10 years ago, um, they recognized this and they said, well, you know, we've got a history here, um, not just the peace palace and, and being UN city of peace and justice, but also historically they were the first to host uh, a global peace conference. Um, so they have a history of, uh, you know, focusing in this area of peace and justice. So 10 years ago, they said, well, let, let's just make that our strategy. Let's make this a strategy to become world famous for being the city of peace and justice. Um, so what they started doing is not doing advertising campaigns on CNN, international TV in the world to, you know, push this idea, but they started to do actual projects. And to look at the things that the city is already doing anyway, but to look at ways in which they could do it and, you know, and, and reshape it into something that reinforced that brand positioning, if you like. Um, so what Simon Anhold, I, I'm, you know, you, you've, you've interviewed Simon a couple of times. Uh, and of course, he's um, the founding father of this discipline. And he talks about substance and symbolic actions. You need to implement that brand strategy through substance continuous stream of projects of substance and symbolic action. Substance is, you know, is, is real stuff, is, is, is the things that, um, uh, that show the world that you can claim that position rightfully. And then, um, but some of these things might be relatively boring, so you need symbolic actions to make them communicable. So those are more imaginative initiatives um, that, um, and coming back to your comments about the press, that the press might pick up. So what um, The Hague has done is um, they've uh, looked at the international uh, landscape of arbitration and they said, okay, so we've got the criminal court, we've got the war crimes tribunal, but actually there is a need for an international financial court, particularly after this was 2008, 2009, with the collapse of the financial system. They saw a clear gap um, that the world was in need of uh, a global financial court. So they actually brought investors together and they actually created this um, international court. This was an initiative by the city government together with the Ministry of Foreign Affairs, which of course is, is lo- uh, the Dutch Ministry of Foreign Affairs, which of course is located in The Hague. Um, they said, okay, so, you know, like most cities, we need to have activities in, um, in, in cyber technology. Um, so, but as opposed to just doing anything in, you know, a technology, they said, okay, so let's do it in um, cybersecurity. So they've now got Set, again, they found investors, they put money together, and they created this cybersecurity valley. Um, 
so those are substances. So those are doing real things with the targeted aim of, you know, building the brand position. Um, some of this stuff is relatively boring. So, you know, you need to do symbolic actions. And some of the stuff that they did is, for instance, hosting the nuclear summit. Uh, when was it? 2014. So they say, we don't just want any event. Um, we don't need an Olympics. We don't need a World Cup soccer. Um, we are going to target those events that are, quote, unquote, on brand. Um, so they made a targeted effort to host the uh, nuclear summit. Um, they now annually host a peace festival. Um, they have been, like any major city, been running an event calendar uh, every summer. Um, uh, uh, you know, most cities do that, of course. But again, since they've uh, created that strategy, they said, well, let's link that event calendar to every year to an NGO that um, uh, puts effort into you know, building a safer and more secure world. So they're linking up with UN agencies, UNICEF, um, War Child, so some of these NGOs that work in the area of peace and justice. So they they make a whole program of building this um, this positioning and claiming that positioning and making making it communicable. Great stuff. So this is a great this is so, a great case study. To, to, to make the, to make yeah, the final please. point on that guy, um, you said the political cycles and the guy in the city of The Hague that made me aware of this. He said. If you do this successfully, and this is the case in The Hague, no new mayor will ever take the risk of scrapping that program. It's now so, it has, be, it has become such a strong part of what the city is about. Um, there are now so many stakeholders, public, private, civil society stakeholders involved in this positioning and these activities, that it's, it's, it's virtually impossible for a new administration to scrap that because it has become part of what the city is about. Um, and frankly, it's basically, it's, only, it's the only example that I know of that, um, that have been so successful in, in the implementation of it. I mean, there's, there's all kinds of ifs and buts around it, um, and, and there's still discussions going on in the city. Um, but in terms of implementation, getting things going that are, that are on brand, you know, that create this positioning, um, and keeping it going, um, it's basically one of the very few examples that I know of that has been so successful. So, yeah, it's a, it's a great case. I, I love this case study. It actually really shows and demonstrates how uh, successful place branding understands the DNA of its brand, of its stakeholders, and does puts everything, all the tactics around the values that the um, organization wants to, to not only portray but actually has. I love this thing. All right. Yeah. Well, we're almost running out of time. Um, a few words about the Good Country Index. It sounds like this is another uh, manifestation of the same principles we spoke about. Yeah, exactly. Because um, again, um, Simon Anholt is the uh, you know is the brainchild. It's his brainchild. So he invented the idea of the Good Country and the Good Country Index. And I've been fortunate to uh, be to have been working with Simon for a couple of years. Um, you know, we're both independent uh, uh, scholars and advisors, but uh, we collaborate quite a bit. But, and I've helped him out on in, in building the actual index. Um, and you know, the reason um, why we've done that is because for many, many years, as I've just argued, we've, we've been saying to, to clients and, and you know, to the public and also to academics that um, place branding is not about uh, advertising and, and logos. 
Um, it's about real action. It's about real contributions. The only way that you're going to build a strong reputation is by contributing to humanity and the planet. Um, and to do things that match uh, your identity. Simon actually calls that competitive identity in his work. And um, so we said, well, let's just do it. Well, you know, we have the we have those we have the nation brand, the NLGFK nation brand index, which is measurement of perception. What, what, why can't we uh, make an attempt in measuring the actual contributions that countries make? Uh, and that's what the Good Country Index does. So on seven categories ranging from um, uh, culture to uh, international peace and security to the environment to health and well-being uh, to um, equality. Etc. Uh, seven categories. We have five indicators per category. We're trying to measure the extent to which countries contribute to humanity and the planet relative to their GDP. So we we make it a level playing field. We we look at how much does a country how much does the country do relative to the size of its economy. Um, and um, you know, um, not so shocking for us, but still um, the level of correlation is tremendous. Uh, we found that the correlation between the nation brand index and the good country index is uh, 0.84. So there's an 84% correlation between the two, meaning that it's clear that at international admiration measured in the nation brand index um, is determined to a very large extent to the actual contribution that countries are making. Um, and, that, and, and that just reinforces that messaging that, you, indeed, you have to look at your, you know, your identity, your values, and how you create um, relevant initiatives that will that will show the world that you're serious in, in in what you do and how you can how you contribute, not just internally but also externally. Robert, great stuff. Um, before we wrap up, can you quickly speak about the Place Branding um, Association? So, yeah. Um, so this is brand new. Um, we we've been talking and 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 uh, we've been collaborating with people. For about a year now to set it up, but it's actually now uh, legally registered recently. So it's we now um, legally exist, um, and we're an association uh, for uh, place branding uh, academics and professionals. Meaning that anybody that's interested in reputation management for a nation, cities, and regions uh, can become a member. It's um, First and foremost, an academic association, but we really hope to bring in practitioners as well. And the reason why we set it up is because, of course, um, this um, field of study is, um, as you mentioned, is very multidisciplinary. So we've got geographers looking at it. We've got IR, you know, international relations people, public diplomacy. We've got tourism scholars. You've got people in business schools in marketing that look at country of origin effect of, of exports. So there's this wide variety of people that look at um, country and city images and, and reputations. And they used to have their own conferences and in, in, in various uh, setups. And we said, we really need to bring these people together because they are, they are referencing each other's work, um, but they're not actually meeting. So this is really why we set up the association. And the, the most important objective of the association is to host uh, an annual conference and the first one will be happening in December in London. Um, I think it's already a success because we actually had 130 uh, submissions. Um, so this uh, is far beyond what we, we, we were hoping for, which is great. And it, it, I think it's uh, evidence of uh, the fact that people were actually looking for 
such an, uh, an initiative where they could meet uh, scholars from various disciplines, all interested in this field of, um, of place branding. Um, so I'd like to invite people to go to placebranding.org and um, uh, become a member of the association and look at our call for papers and the announcement of the... Um, of the conference in December in London, and I hope to see you there as well, okay, guys. Sounds good. And I, of course, will post the links to the association as well as the Good Country Index and the many other projects there you're involved in on our website. Of course, uh, uh, one point to make is, of course, that the conference will also uh, uh, ha also has the opportunity for people that have submitted to publish into a special issue of the journal because, of course, the journal plays running in public diplomacy is. Uh, is, uh, in terms of its topic, is closely related, and we will have a, a best paper award sponsored by Palgrave, publisher of the journal, and um, a special issue that people that we hope some of the submissions will get into. Very exciting. We'll post that as well on thepublicdiplomat.com. For the many of you who definitely want to follow Robert's work, please follow him at rgovers on Twitter, as well as his many. Um, Links that I'll post, including orgovers.com. Robert, thank you very much for everything you do, and thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you, Guy. Thanks for okay, the invitation. Awesome. And thank you to all of our listeners who support us along the way. Episode 72 is now under wraps. Uh, if you have not yet, please follow us on thepublicdiplomat.com or at public underscore diplomat on Twitter. For Robert Govers, I'm Guy Golan. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.